Welcome, friends, to the Enduring Gifts of Marvin Gaye podcast. Brought to you by your 26-year listening veteran, Jessica. Join me as we celebrate these enduring gifts, the songs of Marvin Gaye. In each episode, I will share insights about the music and recount life experiences tied to it. I'm hoping to inspire you to take a first or your 500 first listen to these songs that are truly the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. probably just been talking for about an hour and a half and uh, all of a sudden it occurred to me to take a look at that and uh, nothing was there so at the end of the day little snafus like this life happens right it helps me to organize my thoughts in the seconds right here where I will be able to now give you bullets of what I am about to um, re-deliver because it's a redo. But, you know, I'm going to make it a fresh experience for you. So, <laughs> that being said, that introduction, please let me, um, you know, welcome you to this episode, which is going to focus on, drumroll please, I told you it was going to be an obscure song, The Days of Wine and Roses, uh, released by Marvin Gaye on the Hello Broadway album from 1965. And yeah, so this episode is going to cover a lot um specific about that song, specific about that vein of uh, recording that Marvin Gaye did, specific about my life's experiences tied to that song, and I'm going to give you a little bit of exposure to my family's history. Um, yeah, so let's go. Uh, this song, Days of Wine and Roses, is contained on volume four of the Marvin Gaye collection, The Ballad Deer, which I encounter in the first month of getting to learn Marvin Gaye, right? Like, that's getting to be a little bit overstated, but if this is the first episode that you're hearing of the podcast series, that is a little bit of needed backstory there. So um, the disc for Balladeer of the Marvin Gaye collection was very uh, amazing exposure to be given to Marvin Gaye in one month of starting to get to know who Marvin Gaye is as an artist, period, because that particular disc is such a deep dive into the catalog of Marvin Gaye. In the hour and a half of minutes that I was trying to record previously, um, it occurred to me in those moments that it explains to me a little bit better the mission that I have conveyed for my podcast is to be giving you guys deep dive knowledge into the catalog of Marvin Gaye. Well, the only reason why I'm coming from that perspective in the first place is because in the very first place, my exposure to Marvin Gaye is in the middle of the ocean. Okay. It's not in three feet 
shallow end of a pool. It's into the middle of the Pacific Ocean depth of Marvin Gaye's catalog because that box set contained, I would say, a 80-20 percentage of released Marvin Gaye material to unreleased Marvin Gaye material and a really thick spot of the unreleased territory <laughs> is on the Balladeer disc disc four i was going through the listing of songs there and um they are all from one of two places either the four jazz albums that marvin Gaye recorded during the 1960s that were released so if you were alive during those years and you were a hardcore marvin fan because i do believe you probably had to be that <laughs> I love my baby, but I think you probably had to be a hardcore <laughs> Marvin fan in real time when those records were coming out. You were buying those joints, okay? Oh my gosh. If you are from that era listening to this and you bought those discs when they came out, I'm bowing down to you right now, dude. Ooh, yes. Mm, I'm scared of you, okay? Because your Marvin Gaye fan game is, like, I'm trying to get there. Do you know what I'm saying? I am trying to just be there for the rest of my life. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of songs from those albums on this Balladeer disc. But then we just go into, like, presents, enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye of unreleased material in the vein of Marvin Gaye being a balladeer. And um, lo and behold, the Days of Wine and Roses is not from the depth of that unreleased material. It was, and I did I already just say that? It was released on the album Hello Broadway from 1965. Um, and... It is just such a pretty song, and that terminology for it is uh, what was communicated to me when I was exposing my grandfather to this song one time, which will be the personal story that I will share with you towards the end of the episode. Um, but yeah, pretty is definitely the... Uh, adjective to use to describe this song it's just so 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 pretty and it just has always been one of my favorites of just hearing Marvin Gaye's lulling voice just it's just Marvin Gaye voice Marvin Gaye just gives you voice in this song if you need some Marvin Gaye voice you will be having the days of wine and roses via the YouTube channel very shortly here um the Hello Broadway disc, I come across it being available for the first time. I believe it was very, very late 90s. I was an adult. So, no, it was into the 2000s then. Because I was flipping through a catalog. A very thick newspaper, gray colored paper and that feel 
of a catalog that I had randomly gotten delivered to me in the mail. I am an old movie aficionado. I've stated that numerous times. And so back in those days, this was kind of still really before the internet. Um, they would send you out these thick ass catalogs like that of old movies that you could just flip through and they'd be listed like in different genres, but they were old movies and you could just find some very obscure, hard to find old movies and order it and they would mail it to you in the mail. You get your DVD. That's how you would be able to get your hands on some of these movies that you could not find anyplace else. So randomly one time I had one of these catalogs, I was flipping through it and then really randomly in the middle of this movie catalog, it flipped over to a selection of music and it was music from that era though and buried in that listing of this really random music offerings that there's no way that I would have you know really been buying any of that I came across for the very first time that the hello Broadway Marvin Gaye disc was available I could have bought it out of this catalog and I opted not to do it because I've explained before it was a mistake right it was a I cannot be trying to make a podcast on Marvin Gaye trying to come across like I have some kind of knowledge of the catalog of Marvin Gaye that I want to share with you and I don't own that disc right that's a shame on me little no-no that I made right there um because I had an opportunity and I turned it down you know on purpose and slept at night. <laughs> but why I was able to do it, why I was able to do it is because I could see once I, I got this catalog and I, they were showing me the songs on the disc on the album, I could see I already owned two songs. And that was enough for me because I knew that no matter what, like if I just bit the bullet and bought this disc, it was going to be a struggle no matter what. For me to sit there and imbibe the music because it's just of a genre and a category of music that I just don't do. I don't do musicals. I cannot explain to you the way like my skin kind of crawls. That would be painful kind of torturous to make me have to sit through like musical movies okay, I just oh my gosh and like the one that's coming to my mind and I'm I don't want to offend anybody like if this is your joint but it's like guys and dolls from the night <laughs> it's like no I if this is probably even gonna be if you're a musical person I'm going to offend you West Side Story cannot do that um it's just uh, no so I just knew that it would be a uh, difficult process for me to sit myself down to listen to the music. And I, I just, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But then I get Spotify. The album is there. It's on demand. I let it play. It's absolutely delightful. It's absolutely adorable. It's absolutely beautiful. Again, I feel like it was even just yesterday. A song from that album randomly played through on the shuffle playlist at work yesterday. And I just had to pause again because 
was like, oh my gosh, this song is so beautiful. It's so adorable. Like Marvin really had fun on that album. Let me just shout to that album really quick. And what I get is Marvin Gaye's delivery of those songs. Like he's having fun. He's really having fun. These songs are cute. They're sweet. Um, they're swingy. They're really like the instrumentation on them is great. And he is just having fun. He's just doing his thing, dude. And that being the case, that that is the experience Marvin Gaye is having making the music. It's not possible for you to have any type of a difficult time hearing the music. And that's what I just didn't understand and appreciate enough of who I am in comparison to Marvin Gaye. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm fan number one. I ain't gonna claim it, folks. You know what I'm saying? I need you to go on and take my title away from me, okay? But it's like, if that's who I am, dude, I'm gonna be able to really ride with Marvin wherever he's trying to take it, wherever he's trying to take the train, dude. Like, I'm riding. I'm hanging on, but, you know, he's not taking me anyplace dangerous. So, there should not have ever been that misconception that I didn't need to buy the album. Um, but this song is from that album. So it's absolutely beautiful. It's just absolutely gorgeous. I, uh, looked it up a couple of minutes ago on my, uh, Spotify to get the, the number of minutes. I believe it told me three minutes and 33 seconds, um, was the length. So it's, you know, and it's very beautifully um, orchestrated. That's kind of equally the beauty of that song is the instrumentation on it and Marvin's vocal. Oh, it's just so, you know, I, I said I'm going to try and avoid most qualifiers, but I, you know, I'm going to give myself the freedom to do it because they're going to be the most for me. So I would honestly say I do believe that this for me probably is about the most beautifully delivered. Just every element of the song being beautiful. I would say it is this song right here, the most beautiful song of Marvin's catalog, just as far as like beauty, just as far as like pure, delicate. Um, well, I've already given delicate to my last chance, but, you know, gentle, peaceful, serene, just a really beautiful lulling and just voice, just Marvin Gaye voice song. This is it. It's just you see him in a tailored suit, pressed and dressed, too clean, you know, standing in front of these musicians, this orchestra that's just playing this music for him. And yeah, it's and and though, actually, honestly, I see country. I'm deep in the country. Because um, I even feel like those, those, that some of the words that some of the lyrics that he's speaking in the song um, is singing in the song is the lonely night discloses uh, just a passing breeze filled with memories. Yeah, that's putting me countryside, summertime, warm breeze. It's just a very transporting song. It just really takes you into the setting of the song. Marvin just does an amazing job of transporting you to the setting of this song that he is singing for you. So yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. Um, let's see, though, I'm going to stay in the vein of now Marvin balladeering because, and I'm going to stay, uh, Marvin Gaye collection balladeer disc four. 
And I'm now I'm gonna I'm gonna point out uh, a little mishap that I had via fucking YouTube channel. I will say it like that because I'm gonna kind of say fucking YouTube. I'm gonna let you know I probably don't have much respect for YouTube. Like I told you a couple episodes back, I've kind of found myself, uh, you know, consuming a lot of it via it being an app in my TV. And it is, it's just something to kind of pass the time. Again, like I told you, I'm not a cable person. So I kind of almost am more inclined to find content on the internet. That's just, you know, um, it's been in a kind of, it's an on demand. It's a, what do I feel like watching? It's for years and years and years that I didn't have the cable like that. It was just so much easier for me to suss out a movie on the internet that I wanted to watch. It's like, I know the movie I want to watch. Let me search for it, find it, pull it up. Boom. I'm watching it. So YouTube is that content, right? But in the time that I've been watching it, you know, and you just come across little creators channels or whatever, there's kind of a lot of just eh, frustration that I, I hear a lot of people have trying to be content creators on YouTube. So a frustration that I had was so excited to announce to you guys that the YouTube channel is up and that now you have the Marvin Gaye collection. So I set out one of my weekend days and it took me most part of a day and into the night. So I had to have done it Saturday. I did it, you know, like probably Friday into Saturday morning, got it uploaded went to bed, was so excited in the morning to see was it there, it was there, was listening to it throughout the day on Saturday, and then all of a sudden, towards the end of the night, I was just so proud of it, and I was going back to it, and it was gone, it was gone, it was just gone, and there was no courtesy from YouTube to explain to me fucking why, and it was just gone, and so now I was, but it, but it also wasn't gone, so I think that possibly internationally, it may have still been available, but it, I was so confused as to was it really there or not. Like I ended up getting on the phone with my dad because at that point he was one of my three subscribers. <laughs> I'm riding at 13 subscribers right now. I really am excited about that, dude. Uh, I don't know where you guys are coming from that have jumped on that, but I really appreciate you on the YouTube channel. So anyway, I was just trying to see, was it just my side of things? What was really going on? Because I actually do still see it on the back end of my side of things. But then when I'm trying to access it from the different places that I've linked it up to, I don't see it. So I asked my dad and he couldn't see it anywhere. He was, he it didn't exist on his side of things. So that let me know that it didn't really exist for most people. And then it was some type of bullshit about how it was blocked in the country, but it didn't say which country it was blocked in, but obviously it was blocked in this country, but I think it was still visible in some other country. So anyway, what it was, was this combined like 40 plus minute, um, single video that I had created of volume three of the Marvin Gaye collection. Okay. I had bothered to go through and I took the songs off of volume three of the Marvin Gaye collection that I have only ever found on that disc. And I made them one combined. So it would be like what I experienced. I was trying to do the same thing for you guys, like putting in the disc, right? And here's just the whole entire thing, just one continuous listening experience. And it was up for like maybe six hours and then they took it down. No fucking reason given why. 
So what I have on the back end of that done, because it's like, fuck this. You guys aren't going to prevent my ability to give my material to my friends. You know what I'm saying? So I came through and I've done individual songs. But actually now I'm seeing that maybe I haven't done everything. Um, so I've made individual videos uh, of just individual songs. So I just had to break everything out. So I've got Sunny, I've got It's Not Unusual, I've got My Girl, I've got the Christmas song, I have got Come Get to This, I've got Down and Under When You Limbo, and I have got It's Party Time. Actually, I do believe that those are all of them, because again, like what I said, I went through that disc and I gave the songs that I've only ever seen available on that disc. Um, some of the songs that are on there, you can find other places. Um... Actually, nope. I know that there's still a couple more that I need to get up there. So give me time. It was a little bit of a setback. It was a little bit frustrating. And it's a little bit more time consuming for me. It was actually time consuming either way. It's kind of half and half. But it's just frustrating. Um, and I, I know that people that kind of try and provide their content on YouTube find this frustration from time to time is that these motherfuckers will just come through and they take down your content without explanation so that's why I'm saying like give me time because actually it's making me think this right now I'm looking at those songs that I just said and I felt like I had put more of them up here and perhaps I did and perhaps they're just gone now so ugh, because just the other day um that combined volume that I had put up it had been up there all of this time since they're obviously just blocked in the United States and but it was there it was there it was there so I like I'm saying I think internationally it was visible but then just last night I think it was just last night it now finally said that it was completely blocked so again you know it's like well what the fuck it's been up for like two or three weeks and now all of a sudden you're deciding that oh it's just completely blocked now nobody can see it but yet when I go through and I just break it down into each and every one of the songs, those are available. So, you know, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. And so that's why I'm saying, like, bear with me because I just have to see how they're going to fuck with me to be able to put this stuff up for you guys. But the next thing that I will be trying to do is to get volume four, the balladeer up here. So anyway, that that collection of songs um has just really kind of always had a, a special place in my overall collection of Marvin Gaye because I realized like how unreleased a lot of it is. And so when I was looking at the uh, just the book of the songs, I realized that a good portion of it is from those jazz songs and then a good portion of it is from unreleased The Vaults. Now, actually, they put a heading at the beginning of seven of the songs on the disc that they say are from that album called Vulnerable. But I can guarantee you this. I was just uh, really explaining this. Those seven songs that are on the Marvin Gaye collection are I they are N-O-T, capital N, capital O, capital T, not the versions of the songs that are on that disc. I actually have that vulnerable disc. I came across it just a couple of days ago. It's in absolute pristine condition because I never listened to that disc. I really don't prefer that disc. I really don't enjoy that disc very much because the versions of those songs that are on that disc are not the versions that I first heard at the age of 14 in the first month of learning Marvin Gaye via the Balladeer disc. Okay, the versions that are on there 
do not match the versions that are on the vulnerable disk. They just don't, friends. Maybe some of them are, but the majority of them are not. And so that goes into what I first explained to you, though, about these particular songs that Marvin Gaye recorded with and, and arranged and produced with Bobby Scott. He approached those songs so, 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 so many times that there probably are like 10 or 15 versions of each song. <laughs> and I've actually heard that many versions of some of these songs. It's just like, oh, my gosh, Marvin, you know. But that being the case that I have heard so many versions of these songs, it just is I, I incline toward the takes that were released on the Marvin Gaye collection because Marvin Gaye himself stated it somewhere. Right. I, I can't tell you where I'm, I'm remembering this from right now. But and so I'm obviously definitely paraphrasing. But it was just that he in addressing those songs and the multiple recordings of those songs explained that at a certain point, finally in life, he felt that he had been through enough pain. He had done enough suffering. He had enough real life love experience to draw from that that is what he was presenting to you in certain takes of those songs they had become very personal in real life for Marvin in certain takes of those songs and that's the seven takes that we have in the Marvin Gaye collection you absolutely are understanding that Marvin Gaye is autobiographizing those songs for you uh, in the takes right here he ha he's not singing the song from that same place many other places that you can hear those songs so yeah just the entire balladeer that entire delivery of music of Marvin Gaye is is very uh special to me I just really really enjoy that and so to where uh two years into the game of Marvin Gaye you know study and and, and knowledge acquiring that disc was still kind of always being played in the background as what was also going on hand in hand with that was just every $20 I get, what's the next Marvin Gaye disc that I can get. And by the time that two years had gone by, so I was 16 uh, when I had this personal experience story that I will share at the end of the episode, but I was still just as heavily listening to that disc as I had been from Jump while along with heavily listening to every new album that I was able to acquire over those two years so yeah it's just like that vein of Marvin Gaye song delivery is is really very very special and it is a it's its own segment that's what I stated in the previous episode too right Marvin Gaye's catalog is very segmented and the segment of him being the balladeer is very uh special it's just very special so let me yes completely segueing from that let me break it down to you the level and the degree to which Marvin Gaye was a balladeer right like um we've just established as fact and not opinion by this point in time Marvin Gaye baddest motherfucker that there ever was you know I'm just gonna it's the theme and it will grow with example and breakdown from here I I, I oof. even above and beyond what we've already covered and discussed so just strap in and be ready folks um but 
the degree to which Marvin Gaye was a balladeer. Um, so let's go to those songs that I just said to you. Yeah, you can find them on that album, Vulnerable, but they're not my preference for the takes that Marvin Gaye has recorded multiple times and multiple versions of, of those songs. So some of those songs actually date back to real time. He first started performing them for audiences in the 60s. And so hold on, let me pull up the YouTube channel really quickly here so I can get this date again. And I'm just checking this motherfucker if it's still recording, which it seems it is. <laughs> I you, you were going to catch me a little bit pissed off if it does it to me again. So hold on, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, I think I'm sitting here recording something and I'm not. So let me get to my Marvin Gaye um, videos here really quick because I want to look at this video that I came across not that long ago. It's been just since I've been recording the podcast here. But it is a TV performance that Marvin Gaye does in 1968 on somebody's TV show, dude. It, it was very corny. It was some like, what in the world? It was, you know, here was the thing about TV in the in the 50s and 60s like that. Like, people just would get their own show. But it would be, it was a variety show, right? So it was like, you were kind of known for maybe you had made a movie one time. Or, you know, maybe you'd had a radio show. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, somehow, maybe a little bit kind of obscurely in your vein, in your lane, you were known. And now you were going to get your own little TV show, a variety TV show and it's is it weekly and it's you know 30 minutes an hour long and you just get to do skits and shit and you're you know so who was like that was the carol Burnett show but that was a, a successful one but there were so many that were not and so this this show that marvin gay is on right now <laughs> oh my god like i would suspect that possibly this was not a very successful long-lasting show but anyway you know maybe it was i just i've never seen this man before and the show was so corn because this video is 13 minutes and 22 seconds long so it shows marvin gay he performs two different songs i think he performs ain't that peculiar and then he performs um one of the songs uh from this list of seven at the end of the ballad dear disc here he performs why did i choose you and that's a it's a total ballad song it's one of these seven songs at the end of this disc that they say is on the vulnerable album um but i guaranteed so the take that's on marvin gay collection is obvious it's not the take that he does in 1968 but he gets done singing that song on this show, and then now that's when they start to interview him. So then he, he I think it shows him walking from one part of the, the set where he had been sitting on a stool and singing the song, and then he walks over and sits down in some chairs with a little panel of the other guests, and he starts talking to the host. The host was so corny. Dude. Oh, my gosh. You know, it was like, <laughs> But he's asking Marvin, like, what is that song from? Because this was, okay, this is Marvin Gaye's balladeer game. It's his knowledge. It's his 
seriousness, it's his obscurity, it's his artistic vision, it's his education he's dropping on us. And then I'm going to explain to you why. Okay, because like I'm gonna, I'm going to give you some some knowledge on on this specific answer that Marvin Gaye gives right here. Okay, so the, it is a song that's right there from that time. Okay, it's from the '60s, because this song just came out. It's an original song that just came out in the '60s, but it's obviously even despite that fact obscure to where these people are asking him, "What's that from?" You know, like they've never heard it before. So he says, "Oh, it's from a play." called the yearling it's very beautiful isn't it like he's and he's like it's a very beautiful song isn't it and they're like yeah and they're like okay so they had no idea where this song had come from but this play so okay and so okay when marvin gay gave that answer i was so confused and i had to do so much research to understand what the fuck did marvin gay just say because i couldn't even my knowledge of him saying the yearling did not wrap around the answer that he gave to say it was from a play that it happened in the 60s, the mid 60s there. So in that time frame and that song. Okay. So I literally, I had to do a Google research campaign to understand what the fuck is Marvin Gaye talking about right now. But this is, this is the depth level obscurity that my man is operating on. It's not a joke. His balladeering sense is is real real strong dude it's gonna you need to expand your mind to be able to get on my man's level right here okay so what happened is in the mid 1960s and i'm not what do we know wikipedia i do not give a fuck about that so you can do your wikipedia campaign i'm just gonna give you gists of things okay this is not a book report but in the mid 1960s so around the 1968 time frame but i do believe it was a little bit earlier than that a play came out called The Yearling, and it was a flop. It didn't tour far. It, it probably, like, started in the city where it launched, and I don't think it got to tour far at all. Okay, it was a flop. And what happened, though, is that a song came from that play called Why Did I Choose You? And what happened with that song is that Barbara Streisand got her hands on it. And so during that time frame in the mid to late 60s, it became well associated with her. She had success with the song, but she grabbed it from the play. Now, why I said I had to do so much Googling here is because and this is how I know the play was a flop. OK, this is my knowledge of this situation to tell you that play was a flop. But it did kind of confirm that for me when I was Googling this shit. <laughs> now, hold on. Let me pull up another screen because this is the screen that I had just had up. Because here goes, and I'm going to tell you a little story here um, about the yearling. This is my knowledge of the yearling. So I explained to you how in the previous episode, I don't, for the longest time, I didn't have cable. Did not have cable in my house. But what I had is a smart TV. And so it was the first smart TV that I got. And an app on it was called Voodoo. And th this is how I was getting by. I'm an old movie aficionado. I got rid of cable. I lost Turner Classic Movies. I was upset. I was always on Turner Classic Movies. But I was, you know, when you're on Turner Classic Movies, you are at the mercy of their programming schedule. You're at the mercy of what are they deciding to play. 
And they play sick and amazing stuff. So I don't complain about Turner Classic Movies programming schedule. But here's what can kind of happen sometimes on Turner Classic Movies. Turner Classic Movies has the nerve. Okay. A lot of the time. Oh my God. I've seen this happen to me two times this month. And I love, but I love, I live for this. I live for these moments. When I am tuned in to Turner Classic Movies, they are introducing a movie. Turner Classic Movies has been in existence now for probably a little bit over 20 years. I think maybe are they celebrating their 25th anniversary? I, they're talking shit about it's their whatever year anniversary on Turner Classic Movies. Let me break this down to you just a quick second, though, too, to step a step back from that. I'm going to break down to you the degree to which I'm an old movie OG, too, okay? Like, I've already told you it's hand-in-hand old movies and Cary Grant and Marvin Gaye. But Cary Grant's got a couple years on Marvin, okay? Yeah, he does. He just does. And so back in the day when old movies had programming now being dedicated to them, you know what that was? And I hope you know what it was, but you might not know what it was, especially if you're not an old movie person, which you're going to know. And I'm just going to tell you it walking dead. What? I've never seen an episode of this, but I've seen it and I know it's humongously popular and it's on the network AMC. Let me take you back to the first days of AMC. AMC used to be a 24-7 old school movie channel and that was it. AMC was so OG, hardcore, repping for old movies. Full, They were everything for old movies. AMC used to be gangster for old movies, dude, because like I said, they were 24 seven, but they kept it so pure. They played no commercials. There was never a commercial on AMC. You know what commercials were on AMC? Commercials made by AMC selling you little AMC products. AMC used to have a magazine that came out every month. I have a subscription to my AMC old school magazine collection is sick, dude. I, they're pristine and I'm going to keep them that way. But I subscribed to that shit for several years. So my collection of AMC irreplaceable because of the evolution that the network AMC has taken. Now it's like, that's all they do is have commercials and they make original programming. Was the series Mad Men from AMC? I don't know. Like AMC has morphed so completely, but all the way back in the day, you know, there's some business models. It's like, everybody's got to grow and they got to scale and they got to become worldwide and they got to change and they got to morph. But if I, I'm telling you this, I was thinking of this the other day. If I ever do get into launching my own little business things, dude, I'm not going to be with a mindset of I've got to keep evolving and I've got to keep changing. You can find a formula that works and stick to it. And that formula can take you. And that's just my thought process on that. There's certain technologies that you might have to be able to adopt and get on board with, but the, there you can be some fundamentals that you just kind of rock and roll with, dude. And if I launch some of the things that I have in mind, that is, I'm going to stick true to one thing and keep it there. And I really severely wish that AMC would have kept it where they started because I lived for it. It was a 24-7 old movie channel 
and they just went, oh my God, full AMC gangsters. They were old movie gangsters. I saw my first silent Charlie Chaplin movie on AMC, but they were giving me Cary Grant and they really kept it to the 30s, 40s, and they barely were giving you any color movies, dude. They were barely dipping into the 50s. So it was really 30s, 40s, just black and whites, no commercials, movie after movie after movie. They had a man that would come in between and he would introduce them and he would sell their little magazine subscription and you could write letters to him and shit. And they would, they would give you the address because you'd have to put a stamp on shit. That's how I got my magazine subscription. I had to mail in my little check to get, you know, <laughs> it was everything. Oh my gosh. I just wish so many things were still so old school like that. Life was simpler. And happier. I think like the simpler that some things are, the happiness that just hand in hand goes with that. So anyway, they just used to nothing. I'm telling you, dude. But that being the case. So they existed for many years before this Turner Classic thing came on. Because in my state, Turner Classic movies didn't come on until I was probably like 17, 18. I was about leaving the house before Turner Classic movies was available where I live. And my old movie game knowledge, I was a gangster by then, so I wasn't really too impressed, you know what I'm saying? But then AMC, the way it used to be, it went away, and it just wasn't even, they don't even, you can't even find an old movie on that channel anymore. Oh, <sighs> they do The Walking Dead, you know what I mean? Didn't they also do that movie about the meth guy? I also haven't watched that. My sister tried to get me to watch that thing, and I did. I actually sat and binged one season of that shit, and I was like, well, I can't ride with this show. I, well, I don't even know what the fucking show is called, but is that Meth Man? I think that was from AMC, too. So, yeah, they just are not where they started. So now the only thing for pure old movie experiences is Turner Classic movies. I'm coming back to my thought on Turner Classic, but what I live for on Turner Classic, and like I said, I've, I've had it happen to me twice in the past month, is when in all of these years now, especially all of these years of old movie watching for myself, and of all the years of Turner Classic movies, because I'm going to give it to their game is strong. I have much respect for Turner Classic movies. They've stuck to their model. They haven't changed and gotten all brand new and it, it's still I you know I didn't have cable for 10 plus years I've come back into the cable game I can get on to Turner Classic Movies and it's the same experience that I left 10 years ago and I appreciate that and especially I think old movie aficionados they need that do you know what I'm saying like y'all can't get too brand new with my old movies full like I'm not even trying to deal with that so I do totally appreciate that they give me a commercial free start to finish experience with my movies on that channel and anyway, I live for the time that they're introducing a movie and they're telling me it's the first time that they've ever played it on Turner Classic Movies. I can't, my, I can't breathe when they give me things like that. <laughs> Are you telling? I just, I love it when it's possible that in this day and age, I can hear a Marvin Gaye song for the very first time. I love it when I can see a movie with an old movie star that I love and you're going to give me something from their catalog for the very first time. Oh my God. Yeah. So, all right though. I stepped away from cable for a very long time and what I had to do was make use of this app called Voodoo. So the very first that I, you know, be, this was before I realized that you can go onto the internet and just Google these movies and watch these motherfuckers for free. Okay, so please do that. But 
if you want an HD experience and you do want to be able to own the material and just not always have to, you know, search for it on the internet, I, I will say Voodoo is a, a very good location and they have a sick old movie game. So I came through and one time I just, in one fell swoop, I, I came up and I set up my old movie school shop, dude. And so one of the movies that I bought is a movie from, here, let me get to it, 1946 called The Yearling. Okay, let me give you a quick little overview of what this movie is about. Uh, it is set in after the Civil War down in Florida, in the Everglades, deep into the Everglades. And it's the story of this family that's just struggling to get by. It's just a life of a family deep in the Everglades, dude. That's what it is. And they're just struggling to get by. And so <clears throat> one day these they're farmers right and they get up in the morning and they come out and all of their shit is gone all of their livestock all of their animals have been lured away and they can see that they were lured away they can see like footprints that came up and did it and they can even see that like somebody had dropped like meat and stuff to lure the animals down a trail and the trail leads to the house miles away of their closest neighbor who they had just had a fight with in town and there was some beef obviously but then these motherfuckers took it to the next level because they came and stole all their shit so now the dad is and the dad is gregory peck hold on let me just explain to you even a little bit more about the yearling before i continue with the synopsis here so it's got gregory peck it's got jane wyman jane wyman was married to ronald reagan at one point and uh, that's a little boy, and I don't, they're not even telling me who the little boy is in here. And, um, oh, I think he must, okay, his name is Claude Jarman Jr. He didn't really ever become anything. He's, he's mainly in this movie. But it says, re this movie, recently selected by the prestigious American Film Institute as one of the 400 greatest films of all time. Okay, this is how identifiable the yearling is in its, in its lane and in its vein. And so just for, to give you an understanding of the flop of that play that Marvin Gaye said that this song that he performed came from okay let me I just let me link it those two things together really quickly for me to just a few more sentences on this movie so the dad is Gregory Peck iconic old movie star okay <laughs> he's like all right, we got to go. We're going over there to them. I got to go and approach them and I got to try and get our ship back and I got to take my gun and it's on now, right? Like they took it to the next level. So we got to go. And the little boy is just trying to say to his dad, cause they had just had this fight. They had just gone into town. They had this brawl, like basically the town got involved and it wasn't really that deep though. Like it was just a fight. It was just like guys wanting to fight. You know what I mean? It wasn't really about some deep seated beef, but then these fools took it to the next level when they came and they stole all this shit. So he's got to go over there and just kind of keep this thing going and so the little boy you know he's got a little black eye because he jumped in onto the fight too <laughs> so they're already still bruised up from this fight that they just had and he's saying to the daddy he's like you know that they're crazy though and obviously if they came over here and they took it this far like do we are we really trying to go over there and so then the dad says to him he's like boy when there's trouble in your face you know what i'm saying like you're just as good to walk toward it as to run away and he was like what do you want to do you want to let motherfuckers come over here and steal all of our shit like that and just let it go down and like we just leave it at that you know what i'm saying we need to go over there and so the little boy was like all right you know what when you break down like that i'm coming with you so now they're walking through the forest because it's like miles over to these people's place and so they're walking through the forest and all of a sudden just out of nowhere a rattlesnake comes up bites the dad 
So immediately, though, now this is a life and death situation, and the dad realizes, like, oh, shit, you know what I'm saying? If he doesn't get this taken care of really quickly, he's going to die. So he tells the boy, he's like, fuck, dude. He's like, you know what? Now from here, you got to run the rest of the miles over to these people's house and be screaming as you're on your way, though, because they'll be trying to shoot at you or whatever when they see you coming. So you got to be letting them know, heads up, you know, that your dad just got bit by a rattlesnake. They need to go for the doctor, and they need to also send their wagon heading back this way just in case I don't make it back home because he's like, you go that way, and then from here, I'm going back home, see if I can make it back home. So they're planning this out, and then all of a sudden, the dad sees a deer, a doe, and he shoots her just right on the spot. This happens so quick in the movie. So the next thing, he shoots the doe, and then he says to the boy, and so the boy is traumatized by that, right? Because the little boy is an animal lover. Like, we've established that about the little boy at this point in the movie. And let me, the little boy is by himself because the family, like how hard it's been for them deep in the Everglades like this, like the mom has had like five or six kids on all the little kids have died because of the rough living conditions and shit. And so the mom's kind of really hard and she don't really show like a lot of love to the boy because she's just really like uh, rigid like that because she's lost so many of her children already. So, but so he's like the only child that they have and he's very lonely. He's all by himself. So he's always just wanting to like have a little animal like that's all he wants is a little animal but the mom won't let him because they're so poor and she doesn't think they can afford another mouth to feed so that's okay so the boy is very traumatized when he sees his, his dad shoot the deer like this but then immediately i mean it's happening like boom 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 and he tells him he's like all right boy go over and get your knife and cut out the heart and the liver of that deer and bring it back over here because i have to put it on my snake bite it's the only way hopefully it might start to draw out some of the venom and he's like hurry boy so the boy is traumatized but he's got to go do that for his dad right so he goes and he they don't show all of that but he comes back with it right dad puts it on him and so now he's like all right boy now you got to keep, go do what you got to do. And I'm going to start heading back to the house. And so the little boy, just a part of like the essence of this movie is the way that they talk. Like they're very old school Southern, right? So he's like, you make it, Pa, you're obliged to make it. You know, so I'm just, this is this movie. <laughs> okay, so then everything works out the little boy gets over there they are trying to shoot at him but he tells them what's going on they have a little bit of a heart one goes for the doctor one goes to catch the dad in the woods the dad makes it home the dad survives whatever but then for some reason like a day or two later the boy goes back to the spot because i think they must have like dropped some of their shit right where the dad got bit by the snake so the boy goes back out there and when he goes he's uh you know right where the deer got shot he's looking around and stuff and then for some reason he comes across the fact that the deer had a little baby a yearling and that's the essence of the story this he finds the little baby deer little bambi and he takes it home and that begins gets to be his little pet and so then the movie goes from there but that's the yearling like i had to tell you that to tie this back to the answer that marvin gay gave when they asked him where did this song why did i choose you come from okay marvin says it came from a play called the yearling that is the reason why that play was a flop. I just gave you the gist of that story of that movie. It's deep in the South. It's deep in the Everglades. It's, they're just some old school, working hard, farming. 
There's no love story element to it. It's a story about this little boy and the deer. There's no, it's not a musical. There's no songs that get sung in this movie. <laughs> and in the mid 60s, somebody decided to make a play off of that storyline. And they put a song in it that they originally wrote for that play called Why Did I Choose You? Which is like, well, that's what I'm like, that's the reason why I did not understand the answer that Marvin Gaye gave when he said that there, he, he this song was from a play based on the I was like, why the fuck would they squeeze that song into the storyline of The Yearling? That, friends, is the reason why that play was a flop, okay? <laughs> but that is also the reason why Marvin Gaye's Balladeer game is on, like, the deepest levels, dude. He's going deep with it, okay? Like, he just came across material so obscure like that, that even though it was from the time frame when he was singing it on this show, these people didn't know where the fuck that shit was from. <laughs> so he had to tell them where it came from. And, uh, yeah, it's just like, it goes back to what I was just saying. This was not a joke from Marvin. It was his artistic vision. He knew the type of um, material that he was trying to deliver. He knew the education that he was trying to give us of this type of material. Okay. And he was doing, you know, many, 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 many iterations of it over time to perfect that material is the reason why my personal preference is the seven takes of seven songs in this vein. One of them being, why did I choose you? <laughs> Which sounds about 20 years later, Marvin, than the version that he delivered this time on the show. This is what I'm saying. Like the version that I have on the Marvin Gaye collection, he probably recorded that a good, maybe even 10 years after 1968. It's just a 100% different sounding take of the song from Marvin. Once he is singing it from the place of all the, you know, just life's living that he had gone through as far as love is concerned um, from 1968 until when he's delivering these songs much later. So, <clears throat> yeah, that's Marvin Gaye. That's balladeering. That's his game. You know, that's his skin in the game. That's his expertise in the game. That's his baddest motherfucker that there ever was approach to the game. Okay. Um, so then... You know, I went so far into explaining this movie, The Yearling. Let me give you one other quick little tidbit that the song, <clears throat> The Days of Wine and Roses, is actually the title of a movie from the 1960s. Now, Marvin releases this in 1965. I'm not going to do any research on this right now. Again, I have the knowledge of this and I'm just going to give you the gists of this. I don't know the year that the movie comes out. Possibly it's 1965. I, it might be a little bit earlier. It might be a little bit later. Okay, let me just leave it at that. For some reason, there is a song called The Days of Wine and Roses and there is also a movie called The Days of Wine and Roses. Um, but let me tell you like this. In the movie, The Days of Wine and Roses, if the song, The Days of Wine and Roses, is in that movie, it does not at all sound like the delivery that Marvin Gaye gives on his Hello Broadway album from 1965, which is the reason why I'm questioning 
if it's all linked together. And I, I have a feeling as I just, I'm visualizing this movie in my mind right now. It feels later than 1965 to me. It's a movie with Jack Lemmon. So here we go again. Uh, I've already done The Shadow of Your Smile. I was like, I've already done an episode about a song that Marvin Gaye made that was from a movie from the 60s, right? So here we go again. And I didn't record this earlier, so I'm just thinking of this right now. There is a movie from the, let's call it mid to later, and I feel like it's possibly later, 1960s. I would be surprised at myself if it's actually earlier. But anyway, uh, it's a, and it's at the time that I saw this movie. So let me put it into perspective. I come across ever being able to see this movie for the very first time. Uh... I think I do get to see it on AMC, dude. Like, I'm telling you, AMC existed in its format, like that hardcore gangsta giving you old school movies with no commercials, 24-7, nothing but that. No commercials, except to sell their little magazine that you could subscribe to every month, which had amazing pictures of old school movie stars. They play this movie one time, and I'm probably 16, so I've probably had exposure to Marvin's song for years now, and so I know that I love this song, and then when I come across a movie with that title, like, I'm all in, like, I'm ready to go, and I watch that movie, and I remember at that age watching that movie, just so compelled by it, I just thought that movie was so amazing and so great, and I loved that movie, and it would be, like, on my top 10 list of movies, almost, maybe top 15, top 20. It's got Jack Lemmon, it's got Lee Remick, and it, okay, so let me leave it at that and to explain that sometime this year recently, I saw the movie on Turner Classic Movies again, and I was like, oh, Days of Wine and Roses, I gotta sit here and watch this, because I was ready to strap in and have the same experience with that movie as I had had at a very, you know, dramatic young teenage girl. And it was just when I was watching this movie at 40 years old compared to when I had seen it at 15, 16, <laughs> it was just like, oh my gosh, well, this movie is so overacted. It's so melodramatic. I can't believe that I ever used to watch this movie, like just repping for it so hardcore, had it on a top list of movies. Because it just was a miss for me when I watched it right here. It was just like, seriously, dude? So the, the movie premise is about just only alcohol. It's just about alcoholism. And that's as, that's as far as they seem to want to take it. But the degree to which they're acting and the struggles in life that they're having, they, it needed to be heroin. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a little bit how overacted it was, okay? They've got some scenes in this movie where my man is in a straight jacket. Like, they've had to take him to detox, and he's in a detox asylum. And they, but he, like, how hard of a time he's having just based on alcohol, and he, they have him in a straight jacket. It's just, it's a little bit overacted. You know what? Maybe it's just because in this day and age that really, you know, people are not really struggling in life like that just only off of alcohol not I'm not trying to minimize being an alcoholic by any means but it's not as deep as this movie takes it <laughs> it's just you know if you're struggling like my man was you've got alcohol and a whole list of other substances that are flowing through your body like that dude so that's what I'm just saying like it's really melodramatically overacted um but that's where that's a movie that I think the song has to come from. But like I'm saying, in the song or in the movie, 
I don't even really feel like they lyrically sing the song. They're, I think it's just the soundtrack. Um, possibly. I don't know. Like, I would have to... I it, It's not distinctive to me. Let me put it like that. If it is in that movie, I've slept on it. It just... I've never paid attention to it. So, okay. That's all of that. Okay. So, let's just wrap this up with my personal take my personal experience to this song. Um, like I said, this happened when I was 16, um, because like how special Marvin Gaye balladeering has always been to me is that I encounter this material for the first time when I'm 14 and I just stay deep into it kind of on a constant basis through to the time that I'm 16. Okay. So life, right? My personal life, my family, um, my papa, I get to tell about my papa. And I, I highlighted this several episodes back. I do believe it was in the shadow of your smile how I was, I said I'm going to highlight that um, a one-time experience I had with my grandfather listening to the song. Well, my grandfather was my papa. I never called him my grandfather. And so also I never called my grandma my grandma. She was my honey. So let me explain that. <laughs> um I get told the story of like, why did I never call my grandma, grandma? Why was she, I all, it was my honey and papa. That's who they were. They were honey and papa. And so I was told the story and it was tied to a little picture that what they were showing me. So my grandma was the archivist for our family. She had the photo albums just packed full front, back, double-sided shake it shake shake it shake it like a polaroid picture right just full of those polaroid pictures just the old school popped out of the camera shake it there it is it's developed for you um and so there was this picture of me in one of the photo albums and i'm nine months old i'm sitting in a chair down in the basement i look at that picture and i can tell okay i'm that's me down in the basement of my grandparents house so i feel like <laughs> they were telling me like it was tied to this picture that, okay, so it maybe, I don't, okay, it was the time frame of this picture. But anyway, it's like, I was in that little chair, so I'm getting carried, right? It's a, it's a little carrying chair, and I get carried down to the basement with my grandma. I get sat on the floor because my grandma's doing laundry, right? So I'm just downstairs in the basement with my, my honey doing laundry. And this is how, this is the first day I call her honey. So, but I'm learning how to talk, right? And then monkey see, monkey do. So we're down in the basement and my grandpa is now looking for my grandma. He doesn't know she's down in the basement. He's looking around the house for her. So he doesn't even know if she's downstairs. He comes to the top of the stairs and he yells down, honey, are you down there? Honey? And from there, for the rest of my life, my grandmother was only ever my honey. <laughs> she was only honey. So, <laughs> um, my grandparents, my family was equally patriarch and matriarch. They were a unit. They were a unit. Um, separated by death, 40 plus years of marriage. Uh, grandpa born in 1916. Do you know how far back that is? That's World War One. That's prohibition in the United States. My grandpa tells me about prohibition in the United States. Born in Oklahoma. Actually, interesting. Both of them born in Oklahoma. They both moved to Kansas. 
they meet in Kansas and then they move to where our family is based. Um, <clears throat> so in 1916, my grandpa was born in Oklahoma, the Indian Territory. Like he referred to it as that. Um, but prohibition being in existence. <laughs> so what people used to do <laughs> is moonshine. And my grandpa had a sick moonshine game, dude, okay? He, but he called it homebrew. That's what it was. So, but my grandpa grew up in the time of people having to do what they had to do. And deep out into the country like that, dude. So, yeah, they did what they had to do and they were able to get away with it. So my grandpa talks about being, oh, you know, preteen, preteen. And they would just be running around in the forest, right? In the woods, in the country, just out in the country, dude, right? Just everything, nature, country, but just out in the thick of it, right? Uh, not, it's not developed, right? You could do that. You could just miles and miles of the country. And so he said that they would do that and they'd be out running around and they would come across vats of people's moonshine, homebrew. You know, like, but they, so, and of course they're putting it deep, thick out into the woods like that. <laughs> and vats like way taller than you are as a person, full of homemade alcohol. And so he said what they would do, group of boys, battle of boys, right? <laughs> they would grab each other by the ankles and dip each other head first down into these vats of homebrew <laughs> just be head for you talk about a keg stand <laughs> they were doing homebrew vat stands dudes <laughs> my grandpa told me that about himself um see this is i'm black black family my black papa right my black papa there, there's nothing like black papas, okay? Nothing better. And um, so I've categorized Marvin Gaye as the baddest motherfucker that there ever was. But that's as that's musician, right? That's musician. In my real life, but this is what I'm talking about. Black family, black papas, black 1916 papas. Level and degree of respect, I can't even speak those words but that is who he was that there ever was um best example of that <clears throat> is so okay here my grandpa had an amazing life he lived till he was 80 and uh he was a fisherman. So this is definitely going to tie into my experience of this song with him. So he was an avid, avid, avid fisherman, you know, just growing up in the country like that from the 19, you know, they, they fish, they, they go and they get fish and they eat the fish. They catch the fish to eat the fish. Right. So, uh, one time, and I don't even know when this was. I, I honestly don't have the year context of when this was. But this is many years before I'm born. So it's, it's there. And But my dad is pretty old too though. Uh, my dad's 23 years older than me. and uh, But he wasn't 
23. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know if maybe my dad was maybe late teenager. Um, my dad listens to my shows, so he will definitely know when this happened to his dad. <laughs> but, okay, so... Like the, the nature of, of our family's fishing trips, and it was a family experience. So like I said, a part of my grandma is the family archivist, right? And she just has this rich history of photo albums that I, I lived off of growing up. Like I just used to love to pour through those family albums and just go page by page. And Finally, towards the later years, um, once my grandpa had passed and it was just me and my grandma spending a lot of time, like I would ask her to tell me all of the story. Tell me who are these people, you know? because I've seen these photos for all of my life, but who in the family are these people? And a lot of the times it was all of my grandmother's brothers and sisters. She came from a humongous family of brothers and sisters, like 12, 13, 14 of them. And my grandma's grandma was full-blooded Native American. She had a picture of her grandma one time, and it was just like, wow. Like, my grandma's archive, oh, she just was, she had our family history available, dude, and she could tell me the story, and that's my brother this, and he was this much older than me, and blah, da, 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 da. I feel like my grandma was the baby of the girls in her family, and then she had a baby brother after her. Um, but yeah, so my grandma's story too, dude, she was born, like I did I say, in 1922, um, yeah, my grandma's story. Oh, my goodness, dude. So, uh, but my my grandpa, one time in his, uh, just out for fun with the guys fishing. Well, part of those excursions all the time, they're hours away from home because he's going back out into the country, dude. He's going hours away from civilization. You know what I mean? Like it's just some fishing hole. Let's go to like some really huge lake, but it's hours and hours away from the city. Right. So we're driving far, far, far away and we're going to stay overnight. And, you know, we got the food that we're bringing along, but, and so, but I, you know, that was how luxurious it was. It, it was glamping for me and my grandma. Uh, we had very glamping experiences. We would, I would love to go because it was totally glamping. Like it, I was very taken care of by my papa. So, okay. Like I was spoiled to death by my papa. And so whenever we went fishing, it was a very glamped up experience. Okay, I'll get into those details. But when my grandpa was doing it just for himself, it was nothing like that. He didn't give a fuck about all of these luxuries that had to come along with shit when he was taking the girls. <laughs> so there was this one time he was going with the guys and they had gone hours and hours and hours away. And then it was, I guess they were like winter fishing. It was like ice fishing. And so they went hours and hours away and then even when they got to their location they had to walk miles to get to the lake and so they were doing that they're walking miles they get to the lake and then I think they kind of split up once they got to the lake it was like okay you're gonna because I think they they were probably having to chip holes into the lake to be able to you know do their fishing but I think they split up so it was like you know you're gonna go over here and they just kind of split up so my grandpa was pretty much by himself and he tells the story. He's just walking on the ice. And it's not as that he fell through the ice story. It's not what you think. So he's just walking on the ice. The ice was solid and thick enough. It was a 
solidly thick and a frozen over lake. It actually, just a quick story on that. I have driven on a frozen lake up in North Dakota. My crazy ass uncle one time took us little girls in the backseat of these new kids on the block screaming little girls in the back of his car one time up in North Dakota and drove us the fuck out onto a frozen lake. Oh my God, that was the scariest shit that ever happened to me. Because I was like, no, I'm not, I don't need it. But that happened. So, yeah, lakes can be frozen enough, solid enough. And this one was. Um, but my grandpa is walking along. And all of a sudden, just that quick and that easily, he slipped. And he fell. And he said he fell. And his leg, the way that he fell, he's like he watched his leg just collapse on him. That's how many places and ways that he broke his leg. His leg just collapsed flopped over onto him and it just happened that quick he just slipped wrong on the ice and broke his leg my grandpa never walked without a brace after that he was in the hospital uh, I feel like I've been told he had a, like a number and number and number and number of surgeries and he explained being in a full body cast this was back technology wasn't there dude very towards the end of my grandpa's life, he had seen a doctor that told him, finally, after 20 plus years of, of living handicapped like this for the rest of his life, he was told that they could do, at that point, a surgery that would have fixed his leg and he'd have been able to walk again without having to have a brace. And then every night when he took his brace off of his legs, the only way he could get around was on crutches. And they told him that they could have given him his leg back. And he was so excited and wanted to do it. But I think on the other hand, too, he just was used enough to it that he didn't. But I, he was very, uh, it was like very promising to him. But anyway, so that happened. Um, but that was on a fishing trip. And I think like extra, the reason why it was to such a bad degree, let me finish the story of it happening. So he's by himself on the ice when that happens and he has to call out for his friends that were there with him, but they were a ways away by then, right? You know, they went their separate ways to do this fishing thing. So finally they hear him though, they get to him. Well, and like I said, they've already walked miles to get just to this lake. So what happens? Somebody gets injured. What's the first thing you know? You don't touch them. You don't move them. You call the ambulance and you let the, the professionals come in and do any type of moving of the situation that has to happen. Well, they didn't have the option of that. They were hours and hours and hours and hours and hours away from town, miles into, you know, the woods to get to this lake. And they had to pick up my grandpa from him falling like that. And so, you know, you know, that did no good to the situation and then get him back to their car and then hours back to town to get him to a hospital. So. <clears throat> it just was not something that they were able to fix for him. But yeah, my grandpa talked about being in a full body cast and just weeks in the hospital. And he explained to me that, you know, that made him have to sleep on his back. And like from that point forward, like he would never try and sleep on his back. It just gave him too much like remembering of just like how uncomfortable it always was for him like that. So he always slept on his side. Like, and this just a sweetness of the, my life with my grandparents. Uh, when I was very young, um, in between my father's marriages and there was a portion of time that we moved back in with my grandparents. So I lived with my grandparents for a good formative portion of my life, right? Like I just really am only as stable of a person as I am to this day. <laughs> you know <what> I'm saying? <laughs> 
for the stability that my grandparents gave to my young childhood life like that. Um, and just how spoiled I was by the both of them. Dude, my grandmother was the disciplinarian. She did not allow spoiling. She did not allow, you know, too much. I, to this day, I don't, I can't eat candy. The only sweet candy type of thing that I like is chocolate because my grandma didn't play that. I didn't get to have candy when I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? My grandma was the disciplinarian. She was the lady. Um, to this day, I will catch myself if I'm riding in an automobile, my hands are folded, like, and that's just an automatic thing. Like, I'm not even mentally processing that. That just automatically happens. But I even got that. That's not something that my grandma taught me. I just picked that up from that's the way that my grandma, my grandma was a total lady, like, right? If, if you haven't gotten that impression, she was a total lady. So, but back in those days, I uh, was terrified of the dark. And I always got to sleep right in between the two of them. And so how I understand that my grandpa was a side sleeper, uh, he would always be to my left. My grandma was on my right. I was in the middle. Little teeny tiny thing. So it felt like there was just an ocean of space in between them. They had a king size bed, but I just felt like, you know, I had all the room I needed. I'd stretch out. But the way that I would always do it, too, is I would um, put my legs up on top of my grandpa because he was on his side all the time so I would just that's how I would go to sleep and I so I must have been kind of like totally sideways <laughs> you know sleeping with kids dude they're gonna do you like that but I would just to get comfortable I would flip my legs up over my grandpa's side like that. <laughs> my grandparents are every single thing that life will ever have just blessed me with you know what I mean so, um, yeah, my grandpa broke his leg like that. And so for the, all of the time that I knew my grandpa, he had his brace on his leg. Um, but okay. I explained glamping, right? So it became probably, oh, I don't know. Well, okay. I do remember the very first time that we ever went camping and this was completely not glamping. Um, it was when my, my dad was with my stepmom, and, uh, it was that this was the first time we went out and, they had gotten their hands on a little teeny tiny ass tent and so that's what they brought along for the family fishing outing and uh, we didn't go that 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 far it was far but it wasn't as far as some of the other trips we would take and we got to the lake and they pitched the tent and my grandma and grandpa were in their van my grandpa used to have an old school pimpin' van, dude, uh, had a shag carpet in it, a little couch in the back that pulled out into a bed, had a little refrigerator, and see, this is, I'm just telling you how spoiled I was by my grandpa, he had a little portable TV that he put in there just for me, because my grandpa used to take me back and forth to school every day, and, you know, and but the school was in our neighborhood, and it was only like five minutes away from home. But just because, you know, I was just taken care of and spoiled by my grandpa, you know, that was maybe a little bit too far for me to have to go without access to TV. So he got a little teeny tiny portable TV that fit up in the front little middle console of his shagged out, pimped out van. My grandpa, it wasn't pimped out, but just it couldn't help but to be, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just everything. This van was everything, but my grandpa was my grandpa, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, like the TV was in there so that I could watch the Dukes of Hazard. 
you know, back and forth as we were going along. So that's what that was for. Uh, you know, clearly that had to have been more in the afternoons. But, uh, you know, the TV was solely in there for my comfort. Um, and so this time that we went fishing, my grandma and grandpa were sleeping in the van. Perfectly comfortable for them, right? But we came along with this little, and I'm talking about tiny as hell, little tiny, teeny as. I remember this thing was green. So they pitched this tent, and that's what we got into to sleep through the night, which was fine. You know, whatever, whatever. I'm not complaining about it. Nobody was complaining about it. The only thing that happened that went bad with that shit is that it became like this torrential downpour. And actually, that became like this running joke with us that we always brought the rain with us wherever we went fishing because <laughs> so many times of us taking these trips are combined with torrential downpours that would happen once we would get settled in. So they pitched this tent. We're all climbed into the tent. It starts to pour rain. The tent starts to flood. We had to get out of the tent. <laughs> um, but that is my very first and I had to have been possibly seven I might have only been six um, so yeah that was the first time that I remember going fishing but so then I feel like it was many many years after that before we got to go along again and then but like I said every time that we went after um, when I say we I shouldn't be saying we me um, they went fishing but the first time that I recall going along again, I feel like I'm closer to 12 and then obviously into the teenage years because the story I'm going to tell you happens when I'm 16. So it, but it was just always like the highlight of any summer, right? We would always be doing this shit in the summertime, right? And so it would just be, so what happened, what my grandpa was working with was he had a pop-up camper. It was a little, it was a little mini RV. It, it attached to his truck. He had a truck and it was like a camper that, that hooked up to the, you know, tailgate of the, the bed of the uh, truck, but it popped up and it gave us a full size bed on the top. Uh, it had two couches, but they also pulled out into a bed. It had a sink. It had a bathroom. It had, um, a table you know it just was a refrigerator it was fully equipped so that's what i'm saying glamping oh it was just can we go fishing you know what i'm saying because i'm totally you know just ready to go to bed tonight because when we would we would get to sleep up on the top and the heat he would leave the heat a little bit on on the stove out a stove right and so it would just warm that shit up oh my gosh these are the moments of my life just the, the fishing trips with my grandparents and my family. Um, because it would be, sometimes it was just me and my grandma and my grandpa. Heaven on earth. You know what I mean? Sometimes it was me, my grandma, my grandpa, and my dad. Heaven on earth. Sometimes it was me, my grandma, my grandpa, my dad, and my cousin. You know, so, I mean, we would roll, dude. We would roll. And it was just this is family time, right? Like This is everything in family, the stories that we would tell. So you know what, my grandma would be kind of similar to the character that I told you about from the yearling, the mom from the yearling. She wasn't mean. She was just hard, dude. Life had made her hard. She had been through, she was a black woman coming up in the 1920s in the South. Do you know what I'm saying? My grandma 
went through this life in a way that you and me are not ever going to come close to experiencing. So, and she just, she was a woman of the utmost integrity. I have never in my life encountered a, a woman with a spirit even. You know, there's just not even in on left on the planet. I have never encountered a woman just even with the spirit that my grandma lived by. My grandma was just living. She wasn't trying to be out here setting examples and she wasn't trying to be judging other people. But my grandma just lived by what she lived by, dude. And so it allowed her like towards those end years once my grandpa was passed away. That was finally my grandma and my time to get to really bond and know each other. Because like I said, growing up, she was always a disciplinarian. I didn't get to just kind of like run up and cuddle up on my grandma. You know, she just wasn't that is I loved her very deeply and then once my grandpa passed away that was really truthfully the time that my grandma and I just began to get to really know each other and we just only had each other to talk to my grandpa had always been the center of the room my grandpa would always be the center of any room right he was the most gregarious friendliest person on the planet he could strike up a conversation with anybody he didn't give a fuck what color you were you could be purple he would try and talk to you because he would want to know where do you come from that gives you purple skin you know what I'm saying like he would just want to know about you he would and with an open mind dude like no so my grandpa was just yeah so that's why they made a good couple they bounced each other you know what I really observed that my grandparents did is they made each other laugh oh my gosh they just always laughed so much and my grandma was about her sports. She was a sports aficionado. She was in there writing, watching, into, knew as much about any single sport that my grandpa was into. That's why I told you a couple episodes back, boxing. Oh, but please believe my grandma was just as into baseball, football, uh, soccer, golf, basketball, uh, ping pong, you know, bowling, like whatever was a sport that they would be showing something about on TV they were sitting there watching that together all the time. And I know she genuinely was into it, though. She wasn't just doing that for my grandpa, but they just had that in common. Like, they were just always together. They were always laughing. They were always, you know, going fishing together and stuff. So, um, you know, once my grandpa... We, Because he either had that van, which was always completely comfortable too, but then he upped the game to this pop-up camper. We would go, dude. We would go to other states. You know, we it was at least a four hours away drive, no matter where we went. And sometimes we were crossing into other states, you know, so we're spending the night. We're bringing all this food. My grandma would be so, okay, actually, you know, whose cooking game was the best because it was about good eating no matter what my grandpa was the barbecuer it should have had his own restaurant which is the reason why to this day it was like ah you know i don't really need barbecue i love it and i will eat it but i got a, a very high standard taste for it you know what i'm saying like when a standard is set it's like nah you know i can mm, you know you know nothing about barbecue you know what i'm saying my grandpa did and he he got us really Boiled on his, his, his tastes, his flavors of things. Um, but then, okay, but so, oh, my grandpa's barbecue game, though, was everything. Like, he had, he built himself his own barbecue pit out in the backyard. Um, and then, though, like, actually, as it happened, so, you know, I, I 
get into my grandparents' life when they're they're old, right? They were literally they were the old school definition of grandparents. My grandparents were older. My grandpa lived until he was 80. My grandma lived until she was 77. They were older by the time that I was in their lives. So um, my grandma became sick and my grandpa was taking care of her full time, right? My grandpa was her nurse. And it became at that point in time, kind of when my grandpa was doing all of the cooking and, you know, just taking care of the laundry. Gosh, he had never done laundry before my grandpa, my grandma couldn't make it downstairs anymore. Uh, It was at that point, my grandpa kind of shared for me, with me for the first time, like how much of the cooking my grandma did. So they always had fried pork chops and potatoes and and, um, candied corn, creamed corn, creamed corn, not candied corn, Uh, creamed corn. And I remember just one time wanting that meal and just saying, hey, Papa, let's make some pork chops. And he was like, "Mm." he's like, we can try. He's like, but I know it's not going to come out right. You know, he's like, your grandma is the one that always made the pork chops. And I just didn't really understand. I was like, I didn't realize that my grandpa didn't cook everything. You know, my like what my grandfather cooked, he was a chef at, but he every single thing that we just grew up grubbing down on in our family household I didn't realize that some of those things he couldn't handle himself so it was just they were a unit they were a unit and so anyway fishing trips we would always come packed up with food and so we were coming with everything for a gourmet breakfast the next morning so my grandpa was always handling that scrambled eggs with your cheese sausage bacon he'd always have this would be the only time he would ever cook it but it'd be those o'brien hash browns the hash browns with the green pepper and the onions like the the cubed potato like that would be the only time that he would ever make that but that happened every fishing trip um but would even throw in some biscuits i mean my grandpa was just throwing down for breakfast in the morning so it was totally like yes i can't wait for breakfast in the morning right the orange juice the coffee i remember uh my grandma was at this point on slim fast she had had my grandma had major major heart attacks like three major heart attacks and so you know she had to get on her diet and get her weight under control and so a big part of that in the beginning she was doing uh slim fast and so i remember this is why i'm saying glamping dude so my grandpa came with a chunk of ice and it was my dad's job in the morning to make my grandma shake for her he had to get out there and chip the ice for her shake he had i remember he had the handle of a, a knife that he was using to chip off blocks of this ice to get it nice and and chipped down enough, you know what I mean? Make it a pleasant experience for my grandmother. It probably needs to be cubed and, you know, shaved, close to shaved. Keep going. (laughs) Oh, we were spoiled. This is, you know, the women in my family were protected and taken care of. So uh, minutes ago, even how I said that I cannot even use the words that I can use to refer to Marvin Gaye to refer to my grandfather, but it is absolutely who my grandfather was and that there ever was. But I have so much respect for my grandfather and coming from a black family, there is absolutely no fucking way that I could use that language in a reference to my grandfather. Even to this day, my grandfather has been dead for plus 20 years now um 
can't do that and I'm not going to do that. But was that who he was? Yes, absolutely. And so the primest example of that, all of this is to circle back now to explain that about my grandpa. Um, so one night, okay, so I said, I, let me just uh, out of respect for my father you know what I'm saying like I know he listens to this and I have no judgment against my father you know what I'm saying our life just was what it was there was a time that we were living with my grandparents I'm just gonna leave it like that and uh what was going on okay my grandparents right so my life really at that young age for me my memories of that time is of living with my grandparents and really like my grandparents were my parents my dad was there but primarily, I was with my grandparents the majority of the time. My dad is a musician. I have explained that. And my dad was very young at that time. Did I explain? My dad's 23 years older than me. So, you know, this was still in the heyday of my dad being a professional musician and playing gigs and shit. So he would be out playing. He would be playing. And I would be with my grandparents. And so, you know, there's no judgment on that. But And like I said, I'm as stable of a person as I am today because of these formative years with my grandparents you know what I'm saying like who I could have been with I had the most stability on the planet being able to be with my grandparents at that time okay that was the absolute best case scenario for me my life is full to this day and it got me on two stable feet to this day because of that fact no judgment and no you know disrespect by saying that so I'm living with my grandparents, right? My dad's living there too. And my grandma is still working. My grandpa is retired. My grandpa was a mechanic and he is retired. Um, I don't even think that him breaking his leg retired him, but by this time he is retired. My grandma is still working. My grandma is a, oh my gosh, my grandma was like a doctor, dude. I just remember she would always be in her medical books and she could diagnose you any of your symptoms that were going on and she could come up with your remedy. Now, my grandma worked at a hospital, a major, humongous, huge, like one of the biggest hospitals in our capital city here where I live. And um, I remember going in the hospital with my grandma and just like seeing my grandma doing her thing. And I didn't realize though, right? I'm a baby, right? So I don't remember what it was that my grandma did at the hospital. So, but I just remember going into the hospital with my grandma from time to time. And so it's been many, many years later, this many years later, I just, it occurred to me one time to ask my dad, what was my grandma's job at the hospital? And this is my grandma, dude, a black woman born in 1922 in Oklahoma, you know, she didn't get to go to college, but I'm going to tell you what's the products of my grandparents, dude, this unit. They have a daughter who has a doctorate degree, went to Princeton University, full academic scholarship. Okay. That's my grandparents' child. That's from them. Uh, and they have this genius musician. My dad opened for Tina Turner, Ike Turner, his uh, guitar teacher played for Nat King Cole trio. My dad has been a little Stevie Wonder on his guitar since that little, you know what I'm saying? So my grandparents is the reason that my parent, my dad and my aunt are who they are, right? And just naturally, though, not because 
oh, we got to go to university and, and, you know, we've given you all the privileges in life. But no, like we they definitely did give my dad and aunt privileges in life. But, you know, they just had talent of their own. So my grandma, though, what she did at that hospital, I did not realize this. She like ran the medications department, the you know, like all the medicine that needs to get parsed out to the hospital she like ran that like she oversaw that and that explains to me I didn't know my grandma was as bad as that I didn't know that she worked at that hospital for like 30 years dude and I remember when my grandma retired so a part of like what I'm saying is like when I was living with my grandparents my grandma was still working and she would always work a shift from like I remember like taking my grandma to work in the afternoon. She always, we would take her to work after or like kind of right before the soap started. Me and my grandpa would sit in the house and during the day we would watch the soaps. Uh, okay. So what did we have? We had, there used to be a soap opera called Capital, but there was the Young and the Restless, what Nikki and, and Victor. It was back in the day when Nikki was sneaking little tuna fish sandwiches wrapped into her in little uh, wax paper. I just remember that being the storyline. Like she was sneaking tuna fish sandwiches and eating them in secret because she didn't want Victor to know that she was like eating food or something. And then <laughs> there was this show called Capital that would come on. And then it was uh, As the World Turns and The Guiding Light. Dude, did you watch soap operas with your grandparents? But before we even got into watching the soap, this was just because the TV was on all day and obviously on one network, CBS, right? Because we would start out, we would be watching The Price is Right first before that. And then, you know what I'm saying? It just flowed into all day long TV, which you had Donahue, you had Sally Josie Raphael. And then every single day, the, the, the TV was on until the primetime news came on every single day. This is the way that I, I told you I was watching Dan Rather announce that Marvin Gaye had been killed on TV because every single night the world news was on TV. My grandparents and, and the local news, they just were very informed. They have always been very informed, you know what I mean? And it resulted in, in their children. Down to me, highly academic myself, did extremely well, you know. Yeah, just so this is where we come from, you know, and I'm very proud to, to brag on my grandparents like this from their very humble beginnings, dude. So, yeah, but I was like, damn, I didn't know that that's what my grandma was doing over there at the hospital every day, dude. But we would take her in the afternoon. I feel like it would be about the time that um, Guiding Light was ending. So it was in the, you know, like two o'clock in the afternoon range. And then she would work every night until midnight. And then me and my grandpa would go pick her up. I'm a night owl. And that got established in me in these early, you know, ages. So I, and so how the TV would still be on. So me and my grandpa would be sitting there every night watching Carson. And then after Carson would come on, it would go into reruns of Star Trek. And it was finally about the time that Star Trek was, you know, getting into the middle of the episode of Star Trek. It would be time for us to go now drive in the dark, right? It's closer to midnight. Like, I feel like my grandma worked until midnight. So we would be going to get her. And um, I would be awake with my grandpa, you know. He didn't, he wasn't picking me up and carrying me out asleep, you know, into the car. I was chilling with my grandpa, dude. Like, this, my grandpa was every single thing on the planet 
to me. Okay, he was my hero. So you know, I was definitely trying to kick it with my grandpa, trying to stay awake. You know what I mean? I remember he would feed me like little uh, butter and jelly sandwiches because sometimes we would run out of peanut butter, but I would be hungry. I'd want a little snack, so he would make me a butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> Or, you know, but he always spoiled me. That would only be if he had just just run out of something, you know. I did not grow up hungry ever, okay. I told you about how we were getting down eating. Um, But he even, this was before Krispy Kreme, but this is how, like, spoiled my grandpa had me. He got me onto donuts. So, like, to this day, I am a donut fool. I can just go in on donuts. But he, this was before Krispy Kreme, he had come across frozen donuts that you would put into the oven and heat up. And so they would come out like a Krispy Kreme. That was usually what he would be serving me on my little afternoon or my late night snack that I would want like that. Um, but occasionally I was getting these butter and jelly so it worked you know my grandpa would come up with whatever to just keep me hooked up so one night and now I will be wrapping this up uh we but uh, that I gotta get back into my experience with my grandpa into days of wine and roses remind me okay but here we go so one night it was summer it was hot outside, just like it is right now, right? And it was close to the time that we were going to go get my grandma. So this is 11 o'clock midnight. Okay, now by this time, though, this is just the dawning of what was starting to change in the neighborhood that we lived in. It was starting to become quite gangster. Um, it was starting to become quite hood. This is kind of the dawning of crack cocaine in the country, right? Like what this is in the early 80s, right? Like I'm 40. So what did the the crack came out in like 84, right? Like um, drugs are starting to take over inner cities. Uh, gangs are starting to take over inner cities. And this is exactly where we lived. And this is exactly what the neighborhood is starting to change into. There's a change coming into this neighborhood. My grandparents, our next door neighbors were some white people. We, it was a, it was a good neighborhood when my grandparents moved into it and raised my dad and my aunt. And it was starting to transition into becoming the hood. So, um, One night, though, we're sitting out in the backyard. This is, this is, you know, you're, you're going to get your first sample of that this is what the neighborhood is turning into. You know, it's been safe. My grandparents raised children here, and now they've got their granddaughter. So, you know, my grandpa and I are out in the backyard, and it's black as hell out there, pitch black, right? But we're just waiting because it was, it was also hot as hell, so it was much cooler out there. We didn't have air conditioning. Just we're in the backyard. We're just in our backyard. We should be able to be doing that, you know, just sitting out there quietly waiting for its 20 minutes until we're going to go get my grandma. I'm black as hell, though, right? And all of a sudden, in the alley, you, there's these two punks coming up the alley, and they get to our backyard gate. Now this is far. They're they're all the way past all of our backyard. Then there's a fence. Then there's a garden. Then there's another fence. That's the fence up against the alley. So that's where these punks are. They're at the fence up against the alley. Two punks, you know, little, little punks. But they're ugh, men. You know what I'm saying? They're men. So they're starting to climb the fence. For some reason, something has caught their eye about our backyard and they're starting to climb the fence thinking that they have the right to come into our backyard. And so my grandpa sees this, right? And he hollers out to them. He's like, hey, you know what I'm saying? Get off of my fence, right? And they want to be punks, right? So they don't respect 
the fact that they've just gotten busted and they don't start running, right? They want to try and, you know, come up on my grandpa. They don't rush. They don't come, but they want to, they want to talk shit to my grandpa. Like they think that they have the fucking right to keep coming in on his property. And so when he told them to, you know, get off of his fence, they didn't respect that. And they, they tried to keep climbing the fence and talking some shit to my grandpa. My grandpa says to them, he's like, what? He's like, where's my gun? My grandpa, I told you, he has a brace. My whole entire life that I've ever known my grandpa, he has a brace. That causes a limp. I have never in my life, my grandpa got up off of that. Because I was sitting on my grandpa, right? Like we were, we were on the chair together. He, he, I never, the 20 seconds of Save the Children. It's a time, it's a moment, it's an experience, it's in a space, you don't encounter it again. I never again ever saw this, but my grandpa was running up to them. And it, that he had, with no hesitation, he was coming up to these two punks. But my grandpa did have a gun. My grandpa was always strapped. So, <laughs> here's about that. There were guns throughout our household. And I remember one time, a fishing trip, my grandpa and just my dad were leaving and me and my grandma were staying home. And my grandma says to my grandpa, she's like, well, what about the gun? She's like, are they loaded? And my grandpa says, you know, I don't believe in keeping an unloaded gun in the house. <laughs> my grandpa was strapped. When he was rushing up to those boys like that, he was ready to go. Um, but he was rushing up like that on two punks and he was going to go handle that situation. Those two motherfuckers took off running so fast. They didn't even, you know, they, they didn't, but that there ever was. Okay. That's my real life. That's my experience. I've had one in my life. Okay. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. So that's my grandpa that's my grandparents that's my life that's who I'm coming from that's who shaped who I am my grandmother is who I am I am proud to so many things about just the principles that I go by and you know what based on it I don't have a large group of people that are able to be drawn to me dude I got some standards that are from the 1920s do you know what I'm saying like I I don't have time for a lot of things that are the way that things kind of just are tolerated in this day and age that's not my example it's not where I come from I keep that going to this day I don't know how to be any different and it just it's not uh conducive with a lot of the bullshit that kind of is the day-to-day -day of <sighs> dealing with things on this planet you know what I mean but I um I would not trade where I'm from and and who I am for a thing okay what I mean by that let me I don't want to leave that vague like that so it was in those years after my grandfather died my grandmother only lived two years after my grandfather died they were a unit she just it was she wasn't she only lived two more years and um 
like I said, that was the first time that we were really just connecting with each other and, and I was learning her story. She told me her story, dude. She just told me her life story and it's very, the color purple is a, a real story, dude. You know what I mean? Like that was, that was an era of, of time. So, um, yeah, my grandmother, and I, I said it a few minutes back, just the most integrity, the highest ethics, the, she got, she didn't even ever have to preach, dude. You know what I'm saying? Cause she just lived it. She didn't have to preach it. And she really didn't necessarily have time if you weren't able to conduct yourself the way you needed to conduct yourself. So just, she used the term one time, one time she was just telling me a story about stuff and the way that she was just referring to some people was, she just was like bad actors, dude. They were just bad actors. You know what I mean? Like, so that's just, you know, kind of life nowadays, you can just, there's a lot, you can come across a lot of bad actors, dude. That's what I'm just saying. And, and I don't have to, I don't draw Actually, uh, you know, sometimes I do find myself in situations where it's like, oh, you've come to be revealed to be a pretty bad actor, dude, but that I don't have time for it. It's a very quick understanding and then a very quick no longer can be dealt with type of a situation. And so, but when you just kind of are going by some principles and some things that you need to be going by, it's not going to draw a huge crowd to you. Not in this day and age. And that's what I'm saying that I, I'm good with that. So, okay. There was one time when I was 16 and me and my dad and my grandpa had gone because my grandma was just kind of, kind of starting to get sick. And my grandpa's sister, my aunt was in town. And so she stayed with my grandma and me and my dad and my grandpa went fishing. And so, uh, you know, it was an amazing time. I feel like, you know what? I know we were coming, where we were coming back from, it wasn't this time. The, 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 you know, there were several times that just me and my dad and my grandpa went fishing and we would go far and we would catch huge fish or we would struggle for hours with huge fish and not be able to reel them in. Just amazing, you know, amazing times. And so... There was this one trip, though, where we had stayed overnight and now we were coming back and we were on the interstate and we were all driving up in the front. So I wasn't riding in the back in the, the camping, the pop up camper. Um, and I had my cassette tapes still because my grandpa's rig had a cassette player and I had rolled with the Marvin Gaye collection cassette tapes. And I knew how beautiful the song, The Days of Wine and Roses is. And I knew by 16, like how in love with Marvin Gaye's music I was. But I had not had a lot of time by this stage. I'm not living with my grandparents anymore, right? We live in our own home. 
it's not the same as childhood. I am not with my grandpa all day long like I was when I was a little girl like that. So my grandpa, I haven't been able to expose my grandpa. I haven't able been, been able to hijack the airwaves like I do at home. And my grandpa is a part of that audience on Marvin Gaye. I hadn't been able to... F- deeply expose my grandpa to my Marvin Gaye yet. Don't get it twisted. I knew that my grandpa knew Marvin Gaye. Okay. My grandpa was a younger man when Marvin Gaye was doing those 1960s. Maybe my grandpa sat there and watched Marvin Gaye tell that that song was from that play about the yearly. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I, I totally knew that my grandpa knew who Marvin Gaye was, but I hadn't been able to like just inundate my grandpa with my Marvin Gaye collection yet. And I don't mean just the box set collection. I mean my whole entire Marvin Gaye collection. So now we're in this three people in the front of the truck driving home after an overnight trip where and this was the the main thing. I knew that my dad and my grandpa hadn't really slept that much. I did. I totally was stretched out on the top of that bed. But I knew the two of them didn't really completely fall asleep. And so they were tired. But And it was really quiet, too, that being the case. So it was just like, you know what? I've got my cassette tape here. I want to put in the balladeer. I want to put on some music right now. I want to DJ this situation right now. And I want to give my grandpa, I was just thinking, it's like, you know what? I want to give my grandpa a sample of the Days of Wine and Roses. So I plopped in the balladeer cassette tape into the player. And the Days of Wine and Roses is not the first song on the cassette tape, right? On on this day. It's... um. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven songs in. And so we go seven songs in because I didn't, you know, like fast forward it much. I, I think I probably let it play from the beginning. And so my grandpa's listening, right? But he's not. Is he listening? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I just don't understand. I this is it's one of those things where this I'm so proud to be able to be doing this right now to put in my Marvin Gaye for my my papa. But I don't know. You know, they're exhausted. The two of them are exhausted. I don't you know, I don't know if he's really paying that much attention. You know what I'm saying? Um, So it plays, it plays, it plays, it plays that many songs. And then the Days of Wine and Roses comes on. And I'm just, I'm waiting, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, and I, but I say nothing, right? Like I just, I've got the tape in, so I'm just kind of holding my breath and this song is playing, right? And my papa says, this is a pretty song. And mm, so you know what? It is a pretty song. And it's about the most pretty song of Marvin Gaye's catalog for me. Um, Definitely give that one a listen. This was a very long one. Um, I will be editing this one down quite a bit, but it will still be quite long. Uh, Love you guys. I see you around the world. I see you in this country. I appreciate you. And we'll be talking to you again soon. Bye-bye. friends that's it for this episode did we have fun i had fun (laughs) subscribe to our show so you never miss 
the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. And we're excited to announce that you can follow us on Pinterest at our page, pinterest.com forward slash Marvin Gaye underscore enduring underscore gifts. There, you can see our gorgeous picture boards for each podcast episode, among many others. These boards are full of images of Marvin, capturing key moments from each episode. We're making this a listening and viewing experience for you. So until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>